the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my mommy and her friends on Trails and Testimonies. Come on, y'all. Let's go. Welcome to Trails and Testimonies. My name is Kim Fitz. You can follow me on Instagram at the Kim Fitz, or you can follow Trails and Testimonies on Facebook. But thank you so much for walking with us today and right now. On Trails and Testimonies today, the trail we get to hike is Big Creek Greenway. It's in Cumming, and it is a beautifully paved trail with all this nature. You can ride bikes, and once you hike uphill, they have these incredible congratulations benches. Congratulations, you made it up the hill. And doesn't that happen sometimes in life, and you just got to... Take a little sit. So we have the beautiful privilege of hiking up the hill and sitting on one of those congratulation benches with our new friend, a woman who not only survived an attack, but dominated this attack. And not only that, now she has forgiven her attacker, a beautiful, powerful testimony that you definitely want to follow along. So let's hop on that trail. And talk about a survivor. We are here with our brand new friend who has survived so many things. And we love to inspire on trails and testimonies. And she is a major inspiration. So thank you so much, Jadith Stone, for coming on Trails and Testimonies. Thank you, Kim. I'm really excited to be here. And so your testimony starts about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, About two and a half. So walk us through what happened on that day. Okay. So, um, Kim, I had been at that point, a trainer at Gold's Gym of Woodstock for a little over a year. And one of the women who had been a client of mine had started to come to a Bible study that we had at my apartment. She received Christ a few months after receiving Christ. She and her boyfriend had wanted to go to church to make an extremely long story short. Um, that day we were going to go after church and go downtown, feed some homeless with hands across Atlanta. There are a lot of homeless veterans and my friend, Emily, who was a new Christian, she had another friend named Arnold who she and her boyfriend had been taking to the VA the week before. So she had asked if Arnold could come to church with us. It would be her, myself, her boyfriend, Larry and Arnold. And of course I was excited. I thought, well, that'd be great. Um, you know, how fitting. And I, even they were invited to go downtown with us afterwards to help, help serve and such. But that morning on that Sunday morning, her boyfriend slept in. And so it ended up just being her and Arnold who showed up at my apartment. Emily came up. I was on the third floor of the apartment building. She came up and Arnold waited in her Jeep Cherokee. I was still eating breakfast. They were a little bit early. And so she was acting a little strange, but she also had been through a lot in her life. And so it was not completely abnormal for her to be a little off 
and nervous at times, I guess you should say, I could say. And especially if you're going to a new church, you're going to be right. a little anxious. Right. And she had said that Arnold was really driving her crazy that day, that he was pacing. And, you know, there were looking back, there are flags. But again, at the time, there was really no way for me to, to even imagine that what was going to unfold was going to because you know, here I am in Woodstock, Georgia, and I lived at that time a mile from the gym, and it was a very family-friendly gym. I knew all my clients well, considered them friends. A lot of them were actually the ones who came to the Bible study. So I was surrounded by great people, great families. My life was amazing at that point. My career was going great. I was involved with something called Trades of Hope, which helped raise awareness for abolition There are trafficking survivors who are taught a trade. They make jewelry. They make um, clothing, handbags, accessories, all sorts of things. And then we sell their product to help them have revenue so that they never have to go back into trafficking. So my life was only filled, literally overflowing with great things. The group we were going downtown to serve with was a group from the gym. So at every point of contact in my life, it was only... Jesus, and it was only positive. So my guard was completely down. I am an intercessor, so I know you pray against spiritual warfare, especially if you are on front lines with something like missions or fighting trafficking. You have to be aware that you're a target. We're all in this war as Christians, and we know that. Um, However, sometimes you're going to be involved with things that are going to tend towards a greater attack, I guess you can say. So at that point, I knew that I, I that I needed to be a little more guarded, but in my mind and in my spirit, I had never imagined what was really going to happen that day. Although I will say, and I don't talk about this very often, but a couple of days or so, I'm not sure exactly when, because I had this dream and I thought, that's crazy. I never have a dream like that. But I did have a dream that there was somebody, a man with a knife. And that I that I was in some sort of danger, but I thought that's that's a crazy dream. I just thought it was a bad dream. And you know, oh, again, I got chills. Retrospect, you're like, okay, so God was trying to warn me. He was trying to prepare you for what was going yes. to happen next. Yes. Wow. Yes. And Kim, um, I literally didn't even think about it for months after everything happened. You know, I, I was trying so hard to move forward. I wasn't trying to dwell on anything. So I don't even remember. I think it was having a conversation with a therapist and they were saying, did you ever feel there was some kind of uh, warning that you saw warning signs? And that was really the first time it got me thinking back on, well, what did build up to that? So going back to that day, um, she came up to the apartment. She was she was skittish, nervous. Arnold called her. And so she went to the back of my apartment and was talking to him like in a low voice. And when she came back up, she said, he's coming up. And right as she walked, and it wasn't a large apartment. It was a one bedroom. She was in the sunroom when she went, when I say to the back of my apartment. Well, he had already evidently been on his way up or was outside my door because he knocked on the door like right when she hung up. And so that kind of made me a little, well, that's weird. But again, I'm still not thinking anything outrageous is even, I, I just am thinking I need to hurry. He's, he's nervous about going to church is what I'm thinking. I need to get ready so we can go. Well, uh, and I was, I need to finish eating so we can leave. Like wow. they want to be there early. Mm-hmm. So he did come into the apartment. He was slightly talkative, but not, you could tell he was, he wasn't comfortable. And I remember thinking to myself, he has the most beautiful eyes. 
I genuinely, I didn't look at him and sense danger. I didn't feel danger from him. I didn't feel evil from him. Nothing. I just knew it was just a weird energy. And I hate to use that word. It sounds very new agey, but that's just the way to describe it. <laughs> so um, well, I think God gives us those feelings as well. Well, and I think it's spiritual discernment very, yes. very much so. And I a hundred percent listen to that now mm-hmm. and to the extreme actually. And so we ended up, we left the apartment. He d- really didn't want to stay inside the apartment, which it would, had been covered by prayer for, t- you know, for almost two years at that point, a little over a year and a half. I've moved there in the summer of 2016, and this was January 2018. So a little over a year and a half. I'd had Bible studies there off and on. I, like I said, I'm an intercessor, so I'd, who knows how many hours I'd prayed over the apartment. Um, and I believe that it was the presence of the Lord and who knows angels, the Holy spirit. I don't know that made him so sketchy in that apartment that he didn't want to be in it because he stood outside and waited on us for about a minute or two before we actually went down to the Jeep and, you know, praise God because it's such a, a miracle that he didn't attack me or us in the apartment because who knows what would have happened then. And, you know, it just, um, but God's good. So, so we go down to her, to her vehicle and she didn't like to drive because of things that had happened in her past. So the couple of times that I had been around her outside the gym, I drove. So I said, Hey, Em, would you like for me to drive? She was like, sure. Well, he made a comment and I could tell it was offensive to him that he wasn't going to be driving. And that was another flag looking back. I'm like, well, that's weird. But, um, he got in the back seat and she was in the passenger side next to me in the front. And, um, as we were pulling through the apartment complex, he was shuffling around a little bit. You could tell like he wasn't very comfortable. And as we pulled out, um, there's a road named Trickham. My old apartment was off of Trickham, you'd pull left onto Trickham and then you would take it a short distance, not even a quarter of a mile. And there's a Kroger and a little Kroger gas station and you turn left on the highway 92 in Woodstock. So before we even got to the traffic light at 92 in Trickham, he was really shuffling around in the back and he said, Hey, can we stop at this little store? And I looked over and I saw the gas station at Kroger and I said, do you mean Kroger? He said, yes. I was like, you know, said something like, hun, we're going to be late for church. You know, is it okay if we just stop on the way back? And then I thought, well, maybe he needs something. Maybe he needs water to take medicine because he was a Marine veteran. And I thought, well, maybe he has PTSD. Maybe I don't know what's going on. So um, he said, well, I just wanted to get some dip. And I remember I kind of laughed and I'm not sure exactly what I said, but I, I said something along the lines of, well, you know, you can't have that in there anyway. You know, I was just trying to like joke and make things a little less awkward <laughs> right because <laughs> they were very awkward at that less point. tense yes so when I went through the traffic light there's one more turn off of 92 once you go past the traffic light where you can turn and go to Kroger and I believe it was as we were going past that he said she's not stopping and I remember thinking why is he talking about me in the third person <laughs> <laughs> I was like no, that's weird and um And I heard more shuffling, and then he reached around with his left arm and began to choke me and hold me against the seat. And um, at first, I didn't know, really, I guess it took me a couple seconds to even really kind of understand what was going on. I just remember thinking, 
well, either God has a plan or I'm about to, I'm about to be with him. And, um, when those thoughts went through my head, I had immediate peace. I know that I was probably scared, I'm sure, but I, I was not afraid. I wasn't, I wasn't struggling. I just knew. So I called on Jesus. It's the first thing I did after, after that piece, I called on Jesus. And because, you know, I know who he is, I'm like expecting Arnold to stop choking me. Well, then I'm, he's still choking me. And I was like, I said, I said it again. I was like, Jesus. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, like, where are you? Hey, <laughs> you know, sister needs you. Um, but so he didn't stop immediately, but somebody said something about pulling over. And by that time I had already started taking my foot off the gas and I could barely reach the steering wheel because I was being held against the seat. Um, I don't know. Somehow we made it over across the road to the curb and there's like a sidewalk on the curb. And I didn't know until after everything had happened that the Jeep was actually up like a one or two of the, I don't know how much of it, but it was up on the curb. I had driven it up and I don't even remember that. He did loosen his grip a little bit and I thought, okay, it's going to be okay. I don't know what just happened. Well, then I hear a rummaging and I hear a click or some clicking. I don't remember at this point, but I knew that was very bad. And so I don't know if Emily, I don't know what she said. If she said anything, I don't know. She screamed. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember her doing anything, but I do remember that I then yelled, Jesus, save me out loud. Yeah. And, um, so I know that I felt his hand, but I never hurt Kim. I never felt pain. Not once. And um, it's crazy because somehow, and I don't remember doing it, I took my seatbelt off. I do remember I reached over, I grabbed the door handle, and then I kicked it open because I didn't know if I could reach, if I could lean forward because I was still being pinned. He was still choking me. And um, he had started back when he started stabbing. And so... I, it was the minute the door was open, I just started screaming, you know, and I was just like, you know, help. He has a knife. He stabbed me. Some, I, I don't remember everything I said, but I remember I was like, does he have a gun? And then I thought, well, I don't want somebody to try to come help us and then them get killed. So, you know, I was trying to tell them he's dangerous, you know, and I slid out. He like let go of me. It was the craziest thing. And so I slid out into the road right, right just next to the vehicle because I didn't want to jump out into traffic. When it happened, I know that the cars were starting. I guess they had gone through the traffic light that we had gone through. And so they were coming to a stop just at the Jeep. I was yelling at them to stay back. He had choked me. He would stab me. And um, he might have a gun. And I was yelling at Emily to get away from the Jeep Cherokee. And I ran around to a guardrail. So I was just trying to put distance between me and him in the in the vehicle. Because I thought, well, he's going to try to come after me. And, and he was still there. He was just standing I did, there. Well, I don't know. Because I wasn't looking for him. At first, I was just like, get away. In my brain, I knew, get away from the vehicle. So I'm yelling at Emily to get away and she had gone around to the open driver's side door was yelling at him through the vehicle and he was on her side digging through something I don't know if it was a bag or what and I was like Emily come over here and she's I remember she asked me are you sure 
Because <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm very sure. <laughs> Get Hold over on, let here. me think. Yeah. And um, so she came over to me. I remember he ran off. And because it was Sunday morning in Woodstock, Georgia, then thankfully our awesome Woodstock Police Department, they were all out because so many of them have to go and direct traffic on Sunday mornings. You know, it's like they pull them from everywhere and people come on their off days and and do that. And so thank God for busy churches. Thank God for the police. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) Plug for the police. And um, so they did get him that day. they were there so quickly, like within five minutes. And the reason is there was a woman named Francine, um, who I actually have never even seen. I need to, now that I'm saying this, I need to get back in touch with her, but she was driving the opposite way. She was going East on 92 as we were going West. And so she saw, she thought that I had wrecked. She saw the vehicle go up onto the um, sidewalk. So she's a nurse, right? Of course. So she calls 911. That's why they were there so fast. She turned around and she actually stopped traffic so that people, and I didn't know this, because of God's mercy and because of adrenaline, I had no idea that I was stabbed. Like I knew, I had, like I said, I had felt his hand. I knew that he was doing something, but I, I never saw the knife, thankfully. And so Emily was just sheet white. She was panicking and I just had this calm and I'm trying to calm her down and I'm like Emily I'm I was like we're fine praise God we You're made it we made it down. yeah I was like we made it and um she's she's terrified she kept saying I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and I was like we're fine Jesus saved us and she said no he stabbed you I was like no girl he didn't I was like look I'm fine and I looked down on my side and I was like ah. there was this blood everywhere everywhere um And so I started taking off my jacket and of course I had white on, of course. It was like, I was so mad because it was a new shirt, new pants, new belt, new shoes. Seriously, Arnold. Honestly, right? I'm like, for real? One, I was mad about the whole thing. I'm like, really? Right. For real. I'm going to, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to save your soul. Now we're really going to be late. Exactly. (laughs) You're awesome. Exactly. Exactly. So how many times did he end up stabbing you? Well, I only had two stab wounds. I have one I here. I love how you say I only had two stab wounds. <laughs> there was only two. Well, I mean, you know. So here and here. And um, and you're, she's pointing to her uh, abdomen. Yes. Uh, almost have, like a lower abdomen area. So here. Okay. And that was the main one. And then here, there. And that one didn't go in all the way. Because I would probably not be here had it gone in all the way. Um, but uh, the beautiful thing is that the one that did go in all the way um, missed every organ, every major nerve, every major artery, and barely pierced my abdominal cavity wall. And so when they got me to the ER, um, my blood pressure had dropped immensely. I think I had bled out around a liter of blood. Wow. And they, you know, they had to cut everything off to make sure that I wasn't stabbed anywhere else. And, um, they put me in for, I guess, MRI for different testing. They put me on fluids and such. And I really just know it was just, I had a piece. Like, again, I never hurt. I never was in pain. Not once, not the whole, the whole time all this is going on. They were like, well, you know, after the test and such, they were like, it looks like you just have some internal bleeding from where the knife pierced your abdominal cavity, but you don't have any damage to your organs or anything. So they stapled me up. 
They gave me a few staples, uh, like one or two on the little one, the little wound. And then I think it was like five or so on the other. And, um, you know, they were like, we're going to keep you overnight just to make sure there's no other complications. And they said, you're probably going to feel some pressure because you have got air leaking into that abdominal cavity, which is supposed to be tight and sealed off. Right. And so, you know, my blood pressure bottomed out a couple of times, very, very low to the point I almost passed out. And they came and did whatever they needed to do. And at that point, I, you know, had amazing people in my life. This immediately people were there at the hospital immediately. So I, and I had a wonderful, um, now friend who was there, an officer who guarded me and, um, they were like, we're just going to keep you overnight. So my friends had gone home for lunch and they came back once I got my room and around eight o'clock or so that night, I noticed that my abdomen was, it looked like I was pregnant, like about, I don't know, a few months pregnant, but just in this lower part. And I was starting to have some pain, just a little bit of pain. And they had told me that you'll expect some pain. It's, it's gas that's getting into your, you know, the air is getting into your abdomen. And so, you know, I didn't really, I was trying to kind of be cheery and goofy for my friends because they were torn up. I mean, I get it. I do understand, you know, and I was like, y'all, the worst is over because they had Arnold, you know, I was there, I was fine. And all of a sudden, um, there was just terrible pain. The guys would have to take my hands on opposite sides and pull to one side to open up my, my cav, like open up my, I don't know, like a help passage. me breathe. Right. Like it was expand me, I guess you should say, I could say, um, it got so bad that I was screaming mm. and you know, it was, it was, just, it was, that was probably, it's going to make me cry again. That was probably the hardest part of everything was just seeing my friends because they thought they were losing me and, um, it just killed me. But the doctor, um, Dr. Resnick came in. He's awesome. He's just rock star. <laughs> he was like, well, I'm going to have to cut you open. He's like, just like this, all the way up and down your belly. <laughs> I was like, didn't do it. He was like, you're going to have a scar. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I was like, just fix it. I have two over here. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen these? <laughs> I was like, I think I'll be okay. Oh. And uh, so he was like, all right, well, let's get this done. They took me in for surgery, and next thing I know, I woke up, and I was very thirsty and uh, very grumpy, and they'd done the surgery, and so they had to do the surgery, and it had to be very intrusive. They needed to take out everything that's in your cavity, all your, all my intestines, all the, all the good stuff, and look through every single part to make sure there was not even a tiniest nick, because that could have led to sepsis, and I could have died from that. Do you know that Jesus is so faithful? Nothing, not even a tiny, tiny little nick. As I tell people all the time, it's like, Jesus said, all right, devil, I'll let you stab her. I'll let this happen. But just so you know, when she's healed, she's, she's coming after you. <laughs> you better be ready. <laughs> exactly. And so, cause now she's even more of a warrior. Oh yeah. Now she's ticked. <laughs> this is just putting it nicely. Right? <laughs> yes. And so it was just, it was a miracle. The whole thing was a miracle. And I've had a couple of people say, oh, well, that's just co coincidence. And I just can't, I just can't, I can't even, I don't know, it's blows my mind but they don't exist exactly well not only that but the the probability that I'm sitting here talking to you is almost non-existent but God's so good but God right but God yeah nothing of this earth or outside of this earth can take us away unless God allows it 
our father in heaven is in control. And I think it's so important, especially now in this time with everything that's going on, that we remember that or know it or actually maybe for a lot of us, even the first time, believe it truly. Yes, we go through hard times on earth because we're not home yet. We're a fallen race. We're born sinful. You know, we fell in the garden and that's why we needed Jesus. And already he made provision already in that garden. He knew, he knew that we would fall and he had already made the choice to go to the cross to redeem us and bring us back home. So we are going to put a pause right there. And when we get back with Jada Stone, we'll chat about forgiveness with her attacker, how she battled PTSD from it and the ministry that she created out of all of this. Thank you so very much for being a part of this trail and hiking with us. We'll see you next time for part two. Remember to subscribe. Right. I guess that's it, guys.